proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to sort through a bunch of really awesome questions. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're answering your questions. First, Amy tells us about Break In Alcatraz. Then, we answer a bunch of questions that were submitted by our listeners. And now, here are your hosts, Camby and Crystal. Before we hop into the main episode, one quick announcement, and that is that this weekend is Gen Cant. And I know, I know, some people might be really excited about Gen Con online, but I'm excited about Gen Cant <laughs> because I have participated in Gen Cant a lot over the past few years. It is an online unconvention that is run by Suzanne Sheldon, our dear friend and wonderful human. And I am hosting a couple of events during Gen Cant. So on Ooh. Saturday, August 1st, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, I am doing Jen Cant Karaoke, which y'all know we love to do here at Blitz. Um, that is going to be on the Blitz Twitch channel, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, August 1st. And you can participate and sing along if you want. Then on Sunday, August 2nd, at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, I am doing Jen Cant Jackbox Games. So interactive Ooh, online Jackbox um, with as many people as want to participate. Noon Pacific on Sunday, August 2nd. So I hope you all can join me for both of those events. I am really excited about them. And there are a lot of other really cool events going on during Jen Cant. Uh, if you go to jencant.com, that's G-E-N-C-A-N-T.com, you can see the list of all of the events. And uh, make sure you give a shout out to Suzanne for putting that whole thing together because she puts a lot of work into this event and she's been doing it for years um yeah. and it's just it's one of the best things yeah jen Kant is awesome also the day this episode releases we're drawing the winner for the gloomhaven jaws of the lion contest that we announced last episode so we don't currently know who it is but if you win we'll email you to let you know and then we'll be sending that out soon so congratulations to whoever wins yay Recently, I got a review copy of Break In Alcatraz, which is a new line of escape room type puzzle games. <laughs> this is published by Play Monster, and like the whole name says, to escape, you must first break in Alcatraz. <laughs> and there's, there's a couple of other ones too coming soon. <laughs> I mean, that's but, a clever concept, like breaking mm -hmm. in instead of breaking out. Yeah, the way it works is the box is a hexagon shape, and the box is actually part of the game. So it's an escape room type game that's a mix between adventure games, unlock, and mystery house, which are all games that I've talked about in previous episodes. There's no time limit and you can't lose. So it's not really like in the board game category. It's not on board game geek. Uh, it's more like a puzzle, I guess. But the box itself, once you open the box, there's a bunch of cards in it, kind of like unlock. And the cards have different icons on it uh, instead of the unlock numbers. And then the box, inside the box is a box <laughs> that, that has art on it with, that are the different places. So like the box, it's like the, the ocean and the prison of Alcatraz. And then as you proceed in the game, you open up that box to reveal like another layer inside it with more art of like the place that you're in now. You're in the prison now and then you can open up again. So I think there's like three different openings of the box to open and unfold into new areas and you're using those as part of the puzzle you're literally breaking really cool. in literally yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was really cool and the theme was cool the story is that you're breaking into alcatraz to 
break out the prisoners. <laughs> so like you're the outside man helping them get out. There's a bunch of different types of puzzles. There's uh, logic puzzles, some spatial ones and some physical ones. So I thought that was really cool. And I really like the story. But some of the puzzles I thought were not uh, very clear. And like one of the puzzles, actually, there are hints for it. And the hint was wrong. <laughs> like, oh, no. It had the wrong answer for it. So it seemed like some of the puzzles weren't playtested fully. And, and so those puzzles were kind of annoying but then for the puzzles that worked it was really cool and the box opening up was really cool so uh, more ways of how the puzzles actually work is there's icon answers to some of the puzzles and the cards have icons on them and then another way you do puzzles is you need to find three things and there's these solution sticks that you stick into the box itself and line it up to find the icon answer and the rules were kind of confusing on how that worked so when, when it first started, I wasn't sure what what to do or like what I needed to do to solve the puzzle. So I actually had to read a couple of hints before I kind of understood the mechanisms of the puzzle or like the, the break-in system. So those instructions were a little hard to understand. But after I understood that, then it was cooler. I've mentioned before with unlock games how sometimes you're looking for like hidden numbers and that gets kind of annoying. And for like puzzles, if it has an abstracted version of a number, it's hard to find because in an unlock, you're trying to find a number. And then once you see that number, you get that card. And if it's like a weird abstract version of the number, you're not sure if it's that number sometimes. So there was some things that were similar like this. It's icons that give you the cards. So instead of numbers, it's like a picture. And then so sometimes you can't tell if it's a picture because you don't know what all the pictures are. <laughs> and, and then it's like a weirder version of the picture. So. Uh, for some of the puzzles, it was hard to see that you got it right. Like, I knew I had it right, but then it took me a while to find the icon because it was, like, abstracted. So, overall, Break in Alcatraz was I, it was, I think it was a really neat concept with the, with the box folding out and using that as the puzzle. The theme was really cool, and the, it was really neat having a lot of different types of puzzles, not just, like, one type of puzzle all the time. But... Because the puzzles seemed like some of them weren't fully playtested, the overall experience wasn't as good as I had hoped. So I'm not sure <laughs> if I would recommend actually buying this. Depends on like your like what what you're looking for exactly. But if you're willing to just spend the money to buy it and get like a, a couple of cool puzzles and then some disappointments, then then that's what it is. I, I mean, that's what a lot <laughs> of the escape room games. Yeah, are, that's though. true. Like I think. Yeah. There, I, there are very few games in the escape room genre that I've come away with without having any moments of like sadness or frustration, especially because I think your, your brain is in a different place sometimes and some puzzles are mm -hmm. just harder than others. Uh, and now things that are not play tested properly, that's obviously a slightly different thing. But like, so here, here's a question. Is this one one time only or is this one replayable? It is replayable like how Unlock is replayable. So okay. as long as you don't rip open the box, like the box inside is made of cardboard, like glossy cardboard and then plastic pegs that like the cardboard has holes punched in it and attached to the plastic pegs. So if you're very rough with it, when you rip it apart, when you open it, you might rip it, I guess. Okay. But I was able to pack it back up. <laughs> 
cool. Um, I might, yeah, I, I might have you send this to me. I'm actually kind <laughs> of curious about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually played it one player. It plays one to six players or something, but it's any number of players, really. It's a cooperative <laughs> escape room type game. And it's a lot of reading because of the story, the cards, you're opening cards or flipping cards and reading them. So we actually tried playing with Toby two players we started out and then Toby <laughs> Toby decided to stop playing because it was too much reading and he's like oh, I'm just gonna do something else <laughs> so then I just played one player but then like near the in the second half of the game it was more of the puzzles multiple puzzles breaking out at the same time so that works more for multiple players but at, at the beginning it starts out a little slow for multiple players I think okay so, so yeah that's break in Alcatraz and they're coming out with more in the series which i think is really cool because it's a really cool concept i think with the the folding unfolding box was really neat like when the first time i did that it was i was like whoa this is cool so yeah (laughs) it might be worth it just for that nice (laughs) all right ambi we have not done a q a episode in a long time like Mm -hmm. it's been a hot minute i think we did one right before (laughs) <laughs> my maternity leave right oh yeah that's yeah. right so that was uh it gosh that's coming up on a year ago now in here in a couple yeah. of months <laughs> which oh my gosh that's kind of crazy um so we asked you all our listeners to submit some questions for us and we're gonna answer them and i have to say we got some really good questions this mm-hmm. time around so we're gonna we're not gonna answer every single question but we are yeah. gonna answer a good number of them i want to start with this one Ambi, uh, Jen B over on our Board Game Geek thread asked, why are you both so awesome? <laughs> and I, this one just made me giggle. Obviously, I think Jen was being a little bit cheeky there, but um, thanks for the compliment, Jen. I, I like it. I'm not sure I can answer that. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that either. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we appreciate the fact that you would ask such a thing. Yeah. Inroads on Twitter said, I know you folks, especially Amirona, have answered the 18xx games make some people feel intimidated. What's a good start? But is there a game out there that you think gives that vibe that isn't 18xx for folks scared of the label? Um, short answer, no. <laughs> but yeah, I think like it's hard to get that same feeling in a different type of game because there's so much to 18xx, I think. It's kind of like trying to get Battlestar Galactica in a different game, like or, or in a shorter game or something, right? It's Dark not Moon isn't as good. Dark Moon yeah. is not as good. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's like that's 18xx versus other tr- games that are shorter. It's not the same. So for me, no. There are other games that people like, like people who like 18xx also like Cube Rail games, which is a shorter train game that has like, usually has some route building and some shares, but it's it's not all of the stuff. That's like the only similarities with it. So yeah, I, <laughs> sorry, yeah, they're, they're not not yet. And and also 18xx games aren't that scary. So, <laughs> so you could just play one of those if you like, yeah, you shouldn't be scared of the label 18xx. 18xx encompasses a lot of different types of games or not a lot of different types, a lot of different games. So there are ones that are only like three hours, which <laughs> is sounds long, but like that's that's the same length as yeah. like a, a, lot of heavy a long Euro, Euro game yeah. or something, right? So I think it's one of those things where 
for whatever reason, people worry about messing up an 18xx game more than a Euro for some reason. But like, Maybe. I've messed up the rules to most of the games I've ever learned or played <laughs> yeah. or taught. And guess what? If you mess it up, that's okay. You can get it right the yeah. next time if you want. Yeah. All right. In our Slack channel, where all of our awesome Patreon supporters hang out, Jen asked a few questions. Uh, she asked, have you ever given thought to designing a board game? And I want you to answer this one first, Ambi. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of. I'm actually kind of working on one right now. Ooh. <laughs> My first 18xx. Oh, um, you are not. That is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so I actually thought of this like three or four years ago because our, our friend had a four-year-old daughter. Uh, back then, there were a bunch of my first games coming out, right? Like my first Stone Age, my first other games, I forget. But so we were like, oh, we should make a my first 18xx because we were getting into 18xx with that friend. And we're like, oh, we, then we can make one and, and your daughter can play it too. But we never got around to like, actually doing it i i'd started i made a map and i made like some rules and so i got a lot of it but that's pretty <laughs> but, cool but we only play tested it a couple times with me and toby and then i want to try to get back into it now with 18xx.games it'll be easier to like play test it because yeah. i can just put it on there <laughs> so i'm trying to figure out how to do that i think a lot of people who get into board games pretty heavily eventually kind of start thinking about what it would be like yeah. to design a game I actually have designed a game I submitted oh, yeah. a game that I designed to the Gen Cant design contest I think it was 2017 it might have been 2018 I don't know uh, there was a roll and write design contest and I actually got an honorable mention in that contest which was it was the first game I'd ever designed and it is uh, called Cruciverbalist <laughs> Um, and it's about, it's a roll and write game where you're designing a crossword puzzle. I think it's pretty fun. And there was at least one person on Board Game Geek who really loved it and like taught it to, I think his dad and his grandpa, and then like redesigned the rules sheet for me and was like telling me how much that his family loved my game. And I was like kind of blown away by it, but uh, it's on Board Game Geek. So if you go yeah. look it up, it's there. And maybe Ambie can put a link to it in the show yep. notes if anyone wants to download it. Cause it's just a, a free print and play. So yeah. and it was 2017, according 2017. to Okay, good. I had the uh, I could had the year right then. All right. Uh, one of Jin's other questions was, "What is your favorite underrated game?" I think for me, this is definitely Castell. The especially mm. the more time that passes and the less people talk about Castell, like the more upset I get because I just want everyone to play Castell. So everyone go play Castell, and then it won't be underrated <laughs> I need anymore. To play that. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it so much. It's hard for me. I. I think Tragedy Looper is usually my go-to answer for that. Yeah. Since uh, there are a few people who talk about it. Right. <laughs> but it's also a very, like, it's a game that's only for a specific set of people, too. It's a very specific game, so, so I don't know if that counts. Okay. <laughs> Over on Instagram, JessBarnes14 asked, what is your favorite game on Board Game Arena? This is a tough one, because, like, King Domino is on Board Game Arena, but... Mm -hmm. It's not what I typically go to if I'm going to play on Board Game Arena. Lately on Board Game Arena, my favorites have been Coloretto and For Sale. I just learned For Sale, what, like a month or two ago? And I really like it. Those two are super quick and they're easy and the interface is good for those games. So I really like those. Mm -hmm. um, I also like Six Nymphed on Board Game Arena because you don't have those weird long piles of cards that you have to deal with like in person. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So that one works well on there as well. 
Yeah, I don't play much on Board Game Arena, but I like can't stop on there. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> That's gosh, that's probably yeah, the one have, I played the most. You don't have to do any of the math; it does yeah. it all for you. It's great. <laughs> Back in our Slack channel, Dave uh, asks, "Have you learned any new skills or picked up a new hobby during the pandemic?" I mean, admittedly, I think you're you've picked up new skills involving parenting, probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, my new skills are not related to. <laughs> the pandemic <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm getting good at parenting I guess maybe I don't know <laughs> I'd say you're great at it <laughs> I I honestly haven't really picked anything else up I've found that my mental energy has been pretty low um, when I'm not working mm-hmm. um, so it's really difficult for me to do new things and that sometimes even involves like familiar things where I have to retain information. So like I used to read a lot and I can't read at all during the pandemic. Like I just don't have the focus for it. But like playing a video game kind of mindlessly or watching TV, like that's a little bit easier for my brain to handle. Um, Mm -hmm. I am re-watching Hannibal right now because it's on Netflix now. And I'm so excited that a bunch of new people are watching one of my favorite shows. So that's my new my new skill is rewatching one of my favorite TV shows. Perfect. Okay. Back on Twitter, Gareth Reynolds asked, "What have you played online recently that felt the same as offline? What felt the most different due to format?" I recently got to try a roll and write game on Tabletop Simulator, and that felt the most different because (laughs) as a roll and write game like the physical act of writing on the sheet it like and having to type those numbers into a digital sheet that felt the most different yeah I did that too I tried to do a solo roll and write game on tabletop simulator (laughs) I was like it's a lot easier to just print the page and write on it than do I know right (laughs) yeah as far as stuff that felt the same as offline Honestly, when you and I were playing Bytes on Tabletop Simulator, Mm -hmm. that didn't feel much different for me, I think, than it would have felt online. Or when I play The Crew, that one doesn't feel very much different either. Yeah, those are my answers too. The Tabletop Simulator, Bytes, and The Crew. Yeah. Which is probably like the only games I've played online recently, so. (laughs) That's okay. Okay, on our Board Game Geek thread... Lance gave us a bunch of questions. So we'll just pick out a few of them here. This is an interesting one. On average, how many times would you say you've played all the games in your collection? Lance says that he's probably played each of his games about three times and he owns about 70 games. Mm -hmm. For me... This would be really difficult for me to figure out. I just started tracking gameplays a couple years ago and I have... A handful of games that I've played a bunch of times, like Strike, for instance, I've played a ton, but I also have a lot of games that I've technically never played because, you know, Mm -hmm. review copies or games that I've purchased before the pandemic or whatever else. So I have a decent number of games that I've never played. So averaging it out, I honestly have no idea. I think if you eliminated the few that are the most played and the ones that are zero plays, I would say I've played most of the games in my collection, probably around that same number, like two to four times each. I am not a person that plays a single game a ton, generally. Yeah, so I actually, um, I've logged my plays since 2013. And so I exported my collection data and <laughs> to looked at it. Um, and I excluded expansions and some old games. Like I have Monopoly and Boggle, which I play like 
when I was a kid, but I haven't logged those plays. So I just excluded them, like pretend I don't own them. And so I have 169 games that I counted and the mean was 11. Wow. Uh, Median is four and the mode is one. (laughs) Okay. Some games I play a lot and some not as much. (laughs) There are a bunch of zero. Let's see, how many zeros am I at? That's a number that I don't want to know for my own collection. (laughs) I don't have too many zeros. I have 19. No, that's not too bad. Yeah. And I think my collection, I don't think my collection is twice as large as yours, but it's close to that. Like, I think I'm in the the neighborhood of 300 games, but Mm -hmm. I don't actually know and I haven't been keeping my collection up to date on BoardGameGeek. So (laughs) the day that I actually update all that information might be a a little bit of a rude rude awakening for me. (laughs) Okay, this is an easy one. It's a quick one. Do you like Mm -hmm. to teach games or be taught games or both? (laughs) Neither. Honestly, I'm kind of a neither too. Yeah, like, I don't, people say I'm good at teaching games, but I never feel good at teaching games. Uh And I don't really enjoy being taught games either. Like, I, my perfect world would be sitting down and just starting to play. But not like with people not knowing the rules. Like, everybody just knows the rules and we just sit down and play games. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine being taught. So I guess I prefer being taught games to teaching them. Yeah, I'm the same way in that regard. But usually I kind of want to learn from the rule book if I have the time. See, and I hate rule books. <laughs> I, I still don't like learning from the rule book, but like that's my preferred method to actually learn it. But I don't mind getting taught the game too. I don't like rule books. In fact, <laughs> fun. this is what's an, an interesting fact that people might not want to know about me if they've ever learned a game <laughs> from me is sometimes I will be taught a game by somebody else and then I, at a later date, will teach that game to new people, having never actually read the rule book. <laughs> like this is just, probably what happened with Monopoly. <laughs> I mean, probably. And truthfully, this is why I get rules to games wrong a lot, because <laughs> I don't read the rule book all the time. Hey, all this means is that I have a lot of trust in my friends. I'm a very trusting yes. person, and I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> Um, let's see. Let's do one more from Lance. Ooh, what's your favorite book and or movie? Oh, and we also got this question um, on Facebook from Joshua Pierce Lee about the favorite movie thing. And I, I think this is an interesting question. Do you have a favorite movie and or book, Ambie? Um, for movie, it's probably Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Lord of the Rings a lot. For book, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have to think about that. My favorite movie is Lost in Translation, although Arrival is a really close mm. second for me. I mean, come on, it's about what language. <laughs> like I, when Arrival came out, I was like, it's space and language, and it was perfect for me. That's a good one. Yeah. My favorite book is The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, and a lot of people haven't read that book, but more people have seen the movie that was based on that book, which is Adaptation with Nicolas Cage, and I really, really like that movie as well. But the book, The Orchid Thief, is very much worth reading, and it's really, really cool, especially if you like flowers, which is a very weird phrase to say, but (laughs) it's great. And it's part of the reason that orchids are my favorite flower also. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I don't have an interesting favorite book story or anything. (laughs) I just like a lot of fantasy books. (laughs) Over on our Slack, David asks a few questions. Have you had a greater urge to cull more games during the pandemic? For me, no. (laughs) I haven't been thinking as much about games (laughs) recently. And yeah, I, we, we 
every year we do a coal anyway, so I haven't like changed my urge to coal, I don't think. What about you? I'm still kind of in the middle of reorganizing my games from last August, <laughs> which is now almost a year ago. So no is the answer. I have a giant <laughs> pile of games that I that my friend Kathy, um, shout out when I always say my friend Kathy. Yes, I love Kathy. She came over pre-pandemic and helped me go through everything and figure out which ones are were going on the sell slash trade pile. And it's pretty large, but I don't know what to do with it right now. Like, mm -hmm. it's during the pandemic, it's kind of confusing. And then I'm going to be moving yeah. soon. So I have all my games have been just sitting in my loft for like months and months and months. And they're just going to sit there until they go into boxes when I move. So yeah, I haven't even like, we haven't been in our game room much. <laughs> so, so I haven't like looked at my collection that much. I go in there to film and I actually have a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle on, on the game table. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, he also asked, what is the first game you and Toby would want to teach to the twins? I assume this is for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would assume that as well. Yeah. He, did, but, he did originally in his question tag you in it, but I deleted oh, okay. that part of it because, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. Okay, so, yeah, I, we, we have Go Away Monster, which is a game for toddlers. I think, like, one and a half to two-year-olds can start it, maybe. I think our, our friend's daughter played it when she was a little under two. So that's probably our first game that we're going to be teaching them. On our Facebook page, Greg Turner at said, I miss board game brunch. What happened to it? Um, that's actually a really good question, Greg. I have not been doing my board game brunch stream on the Dice Tower. Basically, when the pandemic started, Tom started doing this daily chat on the Dice Tower. And so every single day at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, one of the people from the Dice Tower does a live stream, generally a Q&A style live stream. And sometimes they have a guest and sometimes they don't. And Tom just wanted me to suspend board game brunch while that stuff was happening. I did host one of the nightly Q&As. I think only one so far. And I'm obviously willing to do more if Tom wants me to. I miss board game brunch also. So in theory, if other people liked my monthly Q&A over on the Dice Tower and you want to see that come back, uh, definitely let Tom know. He listens to feedback and, you know, obviously I love doing streaming, but um, if he hears it from other people, then hopefully he will have me bring that one back soon. So that's why it hasn't been happening. On Instagram, Board Games and Tea with Anna asked, what's the oldest game in your collection that you still love and still play? I think for me, this one is the McDonald's game. Mm. The McDonald's game came out in the 70s, and I don't think I have any other games that are older than that. And I do love the McDonald's game, and I teach it to people at conventions. And it's funny because the, I love the reactions I get. People are kind of like, what? It's like a roll and move <laughs> game, and it's McDonald's. But then they always have fun with it. Yeah, it's a fun speed game. Mm -hmm. I like speed game. For me, I'm looking at my collection by year. <laughs> and well, okay, so there's 1830, which was in 1986, which I do play. Uh, Sleuth was 1971. That's a deduction game. It's like clue without a board, kind of. So I, I like that one. And then there's Pounce, which was 1955, which is a... <gasps> that game is that old? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's like each person has a mouse and then there's a cat that's rolling dice and trying to catch them with like a, the cat is an upside down bowl 
and it's a speed game. Yeah, it's a plastic it's bowl. Really, so really Ambie, Ambie taught this game to me at BlitzCon a few years ago. And you're holding this mouse by like a rope, basically. And then if the cat catches your mouse, when you go to yank it off the table, you basically get rope burn. It is kind of horrific, but also yeah. fun. It's, it's like a party game. Only certain times it comes out. Next time I play that game, I'm wearing like gardening gloves. I'm not, I'm not doing that barehanded again because I get too like enthusiastic and I hurt my hand. Yeah. yeah. I think there's been a lot of different versions. Like it's called Carla Cat now. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm not sure. Like the version in 1955 is probably different. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but, probably. Yeah. Rachel in our Slack channel asks, "What do you do to find your zen, your moment of peace, to recenter yourself when things get overwhelming?" This feels like a very timely question, considering mm-hmm. we are in the midst of a global pandemic right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Huh. <laughs> I need to think about this. I mean, so this is an interesting question, I think, for you specifically, Ambie. I, I know what my answer is, but, like, I would imagine that as a parent to two under one-year-olds, that it can be really difficult to find zen and peace sometimes. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. they nap and, you know, whatever, and they're little enough that they sleep a lot, but... You're always kind of focused on them to some degree, I would imagine. Yeah. So I think it would be hard to kind of chill out. At least I, I'm probably projecting because this is how I would feel. I would be stressed constantly. Yeah, I, I am pretty much stressed constantly, I think. Like, because I'm always thinking about them. So I don't really do, <laughs> I don't really find my Zen much, I guess. Um, but I, I don't have that need as much as other people, I think, because I like having a lot of stuff to do. So for me, finding like peace is having a lot of work to do I think (laughs) (laughs) Um, but well yeah sometimes I would just sometimes I take a break uh, I listen to like relaxing YouTube videos or watch relaxing YouTube videos and crochet or something honestly for me the number one thing that works for me is to take a nice bath like a bubble bath with some, some Epsom salts some candles and just lay there and chill like I love a good bath. And my bathtub currently is not big enough. It's fine. But like, I want a really, really big bathtub. That is a note for me when I am house hunting in the near future. (laughs) It's large bathtub. Oh, I guess also I do jigsaw puzzles. Yes. Oh, nice. I just haven't been doing that recently much. (laughs) Also on Slack, Mike Rudman asked, what is your favorite game that you are really bad at? I know I have an answer for this. I usually look at my stats for this one too. I know, like, I, I, like in my brain, I know that there's something that I, when I always, I always lose it and I love it anyway, but I can't, like, mm-hmm. think of what it is. Like, sometimes there are games that I think I always lose, but then when I look at my stats, I don't actually always lose them, so. Right. <laughs> I guess I've always lost 1849 and it's my favorite 18xx game, so. Yeah, I think in general, 18xx, like, I'm not that good at the ones that I like. Well, except for some of them, but. But yeah, like I like a lot of those and I'm not good at them. So that's my answer probably. Oh, one for me, uh, High Society. I adore High Society <laughs> and I, I very rarely win it. I It's funny because I always say that too. I'm always like, yeah, 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 I never win this game. And then people are like, ah, ha, ha, you say that, now you're going to win. And then I don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 
I just, for whatever reason, I can't strike that balance between bidding the right amount of money and also getting points. Like, I'm one of those people who can end up with zero points at the end of the game. Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, just, like, it's not even for me, it's not even about spending the most money usually. It's, I'm just bad at acquiring points at the right times. But I still, I will play that game literally anytime. (laughs) Adrian asked, what's your go-to food during the pandemic? I've actually been, like, cooking more because my baby started eating solid foods and they're eating what we're eating now so I'm trying to cook more healthy <laughs> so so I've actually been cooking like chicken and spinach a lot so I guess that's that's my go-to food now is, is Toby still doing sourdough no he hasn't made sourdough in a long time that's he so funny because everybody sourdough. else picked up bread making during the <laughs> pandemic <know>. but <laughs> I know it's like we did it before and then yeah stopped <laughs> My... Well, we still have our starter, but okay, we should make it sometime. Yeah, you should. I want some. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've had a go-to food. I I definitely have been cooking more, but I also have been ordering delivery. I don't often want to spend the effort to cook, and I like supporting local businesses. So I've been ordering either pickup or delivery from like local restaurants that mm-hmm. I feel definitely could use the help. Um, so I would say my favorite, the one I've ordered from the most during the pandemic is Cornish pasty, (laughs) like Cornish pasty co here in Las Vegas. If you don't know what a pasty is, it's basically a fancy hot pocket is the fan is the easiest (laughs) way to describe it. It's everything you ever wanted a hot pocket to be. It's but that and more just like pastry filled with whatever like they have so many different kinds Mm. and I've ordered and they're not close to my house I have to drive halfway across town to go pick up food from them and I think I've driven out there I want to say like four times during the pandemic which admittedly the pandemic has been more than four months now so that's not a ton but it's it's not close to me so (laughs) I'm gonna call that my go-to food because it's really good Back on Instagram, Troy Likes Stuff asks, is there anything that has happened out of necessity during quarantine times that you think will be a permanent change to your gaming? I think I might buy less games. Although actually, I could also see the opposite happening. Like once everything is kind of normal again, I could see me going on like a spending spree because I'm so excited to be able to game again. I would like for online gaming to become a more regular thing in my life. Not necessarily the only thing, but Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed being able to play board games with my friends that don't live near me. And I think it's a good way to connect with people. And obviously we can do that at conventions, but not everyone can go to conventions. So Mm -hmm. I would, I want that to stick around. Even if it's not as regular, I would like that to be like, oh, we have like a once a month or once every other month day where a few of us get together and play a game. Yeah, me too. Now that I have Tabletop Simulator, like, <laughs> I want to be able to play with it more. And, and playing with people who don't live near me is great. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah. for you and I, like, we've kind of always struggled with, you know, how do we talk about games that yeah. when you and I can't play games together? And truthfully, we could set up like a monthly game day where you and mm-hmm. I play games online together. And yeah. then we can actually talk about them on the podcast. Like, yeah. And we could have always been doing that, but I think (laughs) it just, when you can play games in person and you enjoy doing so, playing games online Mm -hmm. seems 
not as optimal. And especially for me, Mm -hmm. my job requires me to sit at a computer all day. So when I get done with work, I don't want to be at my computer anymore. It's not even about the gaming online. I just don't want to be at my desk. I want to go somewhere else and do something else. Mm -hmm. And then our very last question I think that we're going to do today on Instagram, Volt5 said, what are some of your favorite or funniest bloopers? First off, I don't remember any of them generally after they happen. (laughs) All of them is the answer to this question (laughs) for me. I, when Abby and I are recording, you all obviously get to hear some of the funniest mess ups at the end of the show, but like both of us at times just won't be able to spit out a sentence or a word. (laughs) And we just both start giggling. Like it's just so funny. Yeah. And it's always very like, it's never an issue. It's never a problem. Like it never bothers either one of us. We just like stumble through and our patrons get to hear our unedited audio. So if you want to hear every single blooper in not real time, but as it happened, (laughs) you should support us on Patreon because you get to hear the whole episode uncut before Ambie works her editing magic on it. And (laughs) I honestly, when we started doing that, I wondered if anyone would listen. And quite a few of our patrons actually listen to the unedited episodes. So shout out to them because, yeah. Well, like most of the bloopers, like all the funny bloopers go into the bloopers. So you hear all the funny ones. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I think there was one... Where one of us was like hiccuping the whole episode. Oh, that was me. That was you. Okay. Yes. That, that was. <laughs> so we we waited to start recording because I had the hiccups, and so we were like, okay, we'll wait a few minutes, and then like we thought that they had stopped, and then as soon as we started recording, I started hiccuping again. Oh man, I wonder what episode that was. That was. I don't even know how we would find that now. If any of our (laughs) listeners happen to have a killer memory and know what episode I was hiccuping in, you should let us know because it was very funny. I literally had to like try and keep quiet so we could just record. (laughs) That was good though. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. This was great. And I hope that you all feel like you got to know us a little bit better, not just about our board game stuff, but other things in our lives as well. Uh, We hope you all are staying safe and healthy. Obviously, the state of the world right now is a little bit odd, but we heart you all and are so happy that you are here. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. During July, get 20% off of your order of all non-exclusive items at grayfoxgames.com with the promo code SUMMERBLITZ. If it's August when you're listening to this, the new code is AUGUSTBLITZ. Grab yourself a copy of the colorful and fun city-building game Zoned Out. Gray Fox Games. Quality games cleverly crafted. Support our show and get cool perks for as little as $1 a month by visiting patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. As a patron, you'll get access to pre-edit recordings and our private Slack channel where you can chat with us and other Blitz peers every day. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, gaming's amazing, whether near or far. Bye, everyone. Bye. The way it works is it's a hexag. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the way it works is it's a hexag. Blah. <laughs> The way it works is a. It... <laughs> uh, number four. Fourth, fourth time's the charm. The way it works is it's a hexagon. <laughs> no. It's gonna have to be sixth time, right? No, that'll be five. It's a hexagon.
I think. Yeah, yeah, but but I'm gonna mess up again oh. because it's. A... <laughs> <laughs> well, we got our blooper. It is perfect. <laughs> okay, the way it works is the box is a hexagonal shape. I'll just say it's a hexagon. Okay. <laughs> All right, number six. Here it comes. <laughs> Varying. Uh, what's that word? <laughs> Varying. Goodness. <laughs> That's okay. You can get it right the yeah. next time if you want. Yeah. If you want? <laughs> no. You can get it right the next but if you time don't if you want, want to. You know. Or just keep playing by the wrong rules. You know, whatever. <laughs> so that's probably our first game that we're going to be teaching them. <laughs> okay, apparently they don't want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that's really cute. <laughs> they were like, "No, wait, Fine. wait, what do you mean? Maybe there's a monster? Orchard. I don't know. 